you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for this day. And we ask that our hearts would be the good soil that receives the seed of the kingdom. And that we would be a people that bears fruit of love in this world. Help us to receive your message this morning and help it to take root in our hearts. Amen. All right, so I could not help myself um, but to reference Hamilton this week um, as it came out on Disney Plus just over a week ago. I won't disclose how many times it has been shown in my home since, um, but it's great. It is a masterpiece with so much to unpack. I'm going to make the case that um, the way that Hamilton tells the history of our nation is similar to the way that Jesus spoke in the parables. So as I was reading the parable of the sower and preparing, I was a little bit like, how am I gonna make this crystal clear? What does this really mean? Um, But I think that if I were to lay it out in these step-by-step instructions for you guys, I think that even I would be missing the point. Because I think maybe Jesus, when he was sharing the parables, wanted us to engage with it, um, to get involved, to chew on it, rather than being spoon-fed or bottle-fed. And so as I was chewing on the parable of the sower, I realized that I kind of struggle with this sometimes of just assuming that I knew what it meant. It's one of the more popular parables. You've heard it since you were a child. Um, And I just assumed that there was no more new truths for me to find in it. This was not the experience that I had in um, reading the parable of the sower. Um, And so what I found is that um, Jesus didn't make this a cookie cutter. message for us, but it invites us to have an imagination, which I think the song that um, Casey just sang for us was perfect, because I can only imagine. Um, But it invites us to have this imagination and to gain a new perspective on what God is doing in the world. And I think that is what we see done in Hamilton, um, because it's this masterpiece that invites us into the story and helps us to imagine um, history in a new light. And it inspires us to continue to make our country better. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, the writer of the show, takes a lot of historical liberties in writing the show. Um, But I still know and understand this part of history more than any other time period in our nation. And I think it's because it inspired me and it it made me want to know more. It it sent me to Google and researching, this really happened between him and Eliza? Did this happen with Angelica? And so I know and understand this time period in history so much more than if I were to read it in a history book. Um, And I think that this is sort of the role of the teacher and the prophet. It's not just um, spood feed you all of these facts, which I think that's, we kind of get confused sometimes and think that that is teaching. Um, But it is to really paint this picture and to bring us into the story. And that's what Jesus does in the parables, but I think it's also what the prophets do. And so Jesus is kind of channeling this role of the prophet 
Um, and one of my favorite books on the prophets is called Prophetic Imagination, and it's by Walter Brueggemann. I highly recommend it. It's written for scholars and for people in the pews, so I really recommend it. Um, but in it, it eloquently describes how the prophet's role is to criticize the dominant culture, um, criticize what's going on in the world, but to also give hope and to energize God's people to take action. Um, so I'm gonna read a quote that kind of encapsulates this idea. The prophet engages in featuring fantasy. The prophet does not ask if the vision can be implemented, for questions of implementation are of no consequence until the vision can be imagined. The imagination must come before implementation. Our culture is competent to implement almost anything and to imagine almost nothing. The same royal consciousness that makes it possible to implement anything and everything is the one that shrinks the imagination because the imagination is a danger. Thus, every totalitarian regime is frightened of the artist. It is the vocation of the prophet to keep alive the ministry of imagination, to keep on conjuring and proposing futures alternative to the single one the king wants to urge as the one only thinkable one. And so I love this idea because um, the kingdom of God is not this totalitarian regime run by God the Father. He isn't controlling everything. He's not um, giving us like step by step, this is what you will do, this is what you will do. There's of course guidance and there's frameworks, um, but he invites us to partner with him in the building of the kingdom. And so as we dive into the parables, we're starting a series. I, I invite you to, to imagine what it might look like, what the kingdom of God is, how the kingdom of God is being played out here. Um, but to also... Um, kind of set that the, those parameters for um, how we interpret the parables. So let's imagine together what it means that Jesus has brought the, the kingdom of God forth through the lens of the parable of the sower. This is important work because it paints this picture of what God's heart is really after. And there's a quote that my husband and I love, um, and it goes like this. If you want to build a ship, don't drum up the men to gather wood, divide the work and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. And so I think, as, like, as a Christian myself, I want my pastor to tell me exactly what to do as a Christian, exactly what to do in my community. Um, but I think instead, why don't we imagine what the kingdom of God on earth could look like um, if we partner with God in this? And rather than telling you exactly how to build it, um, I want to appreciate and yearn for the endless and vastness of God himself. Um, so let's start with the, the parable of the sower. We have the sower, the abundance of seeds, and all the different types of soils. And let's imagine together the message that Jesus was trying to communicate. Um, so as I started to kind of dive into this and started to imagine, um, I, my first interpretation, I'm going to start with my first interpretation and then kind of play off of that. Um, so I thought that Jesus was the sower and his disciples, us, the Christians, were also sowers and they were spreading the seeds, which was the word of God. Um, tracking? <laughs> um, so we're spreading the seeds, but there's all these different soils. And I wanted to, um, you know, take the justice and the love of God and apply it to this story. But I think I started to apply it in the wrong place because I wanted to go and remove all the rocks from the soil. I wanted to remove the thorns. I wanted every single seed to be received. Um, but as I was kind of processing that, I was like, 
that kind of makes me the savior. That, that is not my role in this story. My role is to be the sower, to spread the seeds. And so I think to imagine, I, I think I needed to reimagine it a little bit because um, I'm a two on the Enneagram and I want to help people and I want people to be their healthiest self and to know and love Jesus and I want them to receive my love and to love me back. Um, but that can sometimes turn into a skewed desire, if that makes sense. And so I think I misplaced where the, the actions of Christians come into play. And instead of us tilling the soil and instead of us removing the rocks, um, it comes into play with the sowing of the seeds and it comes into play with spreading the word of God. Um, growing up, I thought spreading the word of God meant standing on the street corner and saying, I love Jesus, do you? Or telling your friend or talking about going to church. But I think it is living out the gospel. We talk about this all the time, but I always forget. Um, but we have to live out and that's where the justice and the kindness and the goodness comes into play. Um, so it does mean if, if this is where we are loving people, it means that we are going to sometimes be rejected or ignored. Uh, we might come across the rocky soil or the thorns. Um, and so I have another quote, sorry, I love quotes. Um, but Mother Teresa um, said something that really illustrates what it looks like to do good, to love people, no matter how you are received. She says, people are often unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. If you find happiness, people may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world your best you have, and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. For you see, in the end, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. And so I love this idea that um, we follow this God that doesn't always make sense. He loves people that aren't going to receive him and aren't um, going to love him back. And he wasn't even what the Israelites were expecting. Um, they wanted a king that would overthrow the Roman Empire and become powerful and mighty. Um, but he came as a servant and the people didn't like that. They, the, the religious leaders even uh, were rejecting him. Um, because they wanted the kingdom to look as they wanted it to look, rather than reflecting the heart of God. Um, so Jesus, again, he came as a servant. He um, hung out with the wrong crowd. Uh, the religious leaders turned their nose and didn't receive the kingdom. The, the arrival of the kingdom was this poor traveling prophet going around and healing people, inviting people to follow him. He loved the whole world so much, and so much of that love has not been received. So now I kind of want to dive in to the soil and kind of reimagine it, not as me tilling it, not as um, me fixing it, but just as it is in the story. Um, so the first one is when it gets thrown on the road um, and the birds snatch it up. And Jesus interprets that um, later on and um, says it's the evil one stealing it away. And I kind of imagine this to be how the world can sometimes um, have systems that stack up against people where they just, they can't get resources no matter how they try. Um, they um, have so much pain and hardship that it can be so hard to receive love because they've never even been given it until um, God finds them. 
And then for um, the rocky ground, um, it's, it's received with this enthusiasm that as soon, as soon as things get tough or things get uncomfortable, it can be easy to just kind of push Jesus to the side or turn your back. Um, now, this might be a little bit of a coincidence, but I thought it was a cool example um, because a, pers- we, a person who we see act this out is named Peter, and his name in Greek is Petros, which means rock, so rocky ground. And he receives Jesus with all this enthusiasm. He is like, I'm going to be your number one disciple. And he you know, wants to stop Jesus from dying and wants to control the situation. But as soon as his life is put in danger, as soon as he's accused of being Jesus's friend, he denies Jesus three times. And I think that's often where we can fall. Our, our um, hearts can get a little rocky. And if um, following Jesus means a pay cut or um, being excluded from certain social circles or our kids not being invited to a play date, um, it can be easy to kind of ignore Jesus a little bit. But when we're around people that love Jesus and it benefits us, it's very easy to follow Jesus with enthusiasm. And then the last one is the thorns. And I think that's where the worries of the world, um, and again, the worship of money can kind of get us all tangled up. And I think we really see that playing out in our nation um, as there's so many corrupt systems of justice and um, of just in business, people are cutthroat and cruel sometimes and don't you know, display the, the heart of God. Um, but I think that can also play through in our own lives. My favorite soil to talk about is the good soil because um, we get to imagine the kingdom of God growing on this earth. We get to imagine this reality where um, there's peace, where the lion lays down with the lamb, where swords will be turned into to plowshares. Um, we get to imagine this reality where life flourishes rather than dies and rots. We get to imagine this reality of plenty where we don't have to fear, is there enough for me? Uh, we get to imagine this reality where the least are lifted high and the high are, brought, are humbled down. We get to imagine this reality where diverse humanity is one big family because of our differences, not in spite of our differences. And we get to imagine this reality where we are in perfect relationship with God through the death and resurrection of Jesus, and we can receive the love and share it with the world around us, even if we are ignored and rejected. And so I think this is the point of the parable is we get to reimagine the kingdom of God and what it could look like. We don't have to wait for Jesus to come back. This can be put into place now and Jesus is working on this now. Um, I love the way that Jesus's life was so radical um, and the way that it's portrayed in these parables. Um, God's purpose doesn't always look the way we want it to look um, and our life might not look like we thought it would. Um, But it's cool that um, the parables give us something to chew on and something to let our imaginations go wild um, and to let it move us towards action. So my question for all of us today is how do we at Andover receive the word of the kingdom? How do we spread our seeds? How do we allow the word of God to move us to action and to spread the kingdom of God on earth? Throughout history, we have seen Christians spreading the seeds of the kingdom. John Wesley, the the, um, founder of the the Methodist movement, not the Methodist church, I almost said that, Um, but he passionately preached the gospel, but he also spoke against slavery, and he visited the sick and the poor and the imprisoned. Harriet Tubman loved and worshiped God, um, but she spread her seeds by sneaking people out of slavery. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer saw the importance of raising the next generation. He invested in young people during a very turbulent time and discipleship was so important to him, but he also spread his seeds um, by attempting to overthrow Nazi Germany. Corey Ten Boom was a Holocaust survivor and she uh, started a rehab center for other survivors and started this global ministry that focused on the power of forgiveness. Can you imagine being a survivor of the Holocaust and promoting this forgiving spirit? Shane Claiborne, um, he's alive today, and he loves the Bible and the scriptures and the church, um, but he also spreads his um, seeds by um, caring for the injustices of this world. He protests the death penalty, and he um, advocates for gun reform and takes illegal guns off the streets and turns them into garden tools, so literally turning them from life takers to life cultivators. And Phil Vischer, or Bob the Tomato from VeggieTales, has this awesome podcast called The Holy Post, and it guides Christian conversation that transcends politics. Um, that's something that's so divisive right now, and so to have a place where Christians can go and listen um, to you know, messages that transcend all of the junk of politics, um, that's how he spreads the seeds on this earth. And so these people lived out the kingdom of God within their context. And that's what we're all called to do. Um, it can be difficult to you know, find our exact purpose, our exact context, but I encourage all of us to spread the seeds and spread the seeds as much as we can um, because there's so many different types of soil on this earth. Um, and so we're just called to spread the seed. We're not called to uh, tend the soil. Um, so I invite us to imagine this Christian life that truly builds the kingdom. Um, and it might cause us to be rejected or ignored, um, but we must keep loving each other. We must keep seeking justice and spreading the seeds of the kingdom. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for building your kingdom on this earth. Thank you for loving us even when we are, um, even when we reject you. Help us to love others the way that you love us. May your kingdom come. In Jesus' name.